I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Thank you, first blood. I'll bet you could suck a golf ball through a garden hose. Good morning, Vietnam! You let me worry about that green beret. Napalm in the morning. Your first, last, and only podcast for the Vietnam War through film. Good morning, campers. Welcome to a hyper-special episode of Napalm in the Morning. Oh, yes. This is a Napalm mini, and we are going to refer to any mini episode that you will encounter as a black op. Black, black bag. Op. Black bag, bag operation here. Yes. Wait, who is that in my ear? Who's that on the left coast, I hear? It's a, it's a it's a third mic, as I say in the business. Third mic, <laughs> the but, on, the only mic. But you're the first mic in our hearts. Um, <laughs> that's right. You know him from the Great Hunter Rat Hunt. You know him from the New Books Network in Southeast Asian history. You know him as uh, triple black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Fan of Van. the '80s, Michael Van. Yes. Yeah. You, world's world's toughest French historian, undisputed title. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got you to pick your bags. Yeah, I'm trying to think of all those jokes of like you know that uh, you know all those French munitions you bought uh, never fired, dropped twice, or what's the? Uh, I believe that's Italian, and we're not going to go there. Um, okay. Think of my new role as the DEI officer for. Um, uh, oh. Napalm in the morning. Harsh. Yeah. We can't even make fun of the French. What do we have left? We can't, we can't make fun of the French. The French, Bel- the Belgians. Irish, the Italians. So Belgians. Belgians are always beat the bowl. Yeah. Um, Belgians. Yeah. Good yeah. suck. Okay. So. Should have planted more trees in the Ardennes. <laughs> um, all right, folks. We are. The reason this is a special mini is that we are going to. This is all theoretical. Because who knows if we can actually keep to the schedule. But new White House um, Plumbers series is on HBO. Check it out. First we episode. Our goal is to, the following week, a few days after, whatever, of each episode, we want to get up a history check on some of the stuff and provide some historical context. They don't actually give a ton in it. I knew what was going on the whole time just because I know the story. But for those that are not, you know, Nixon heads like me, they might not have known all of it. So we're here to kind of provide some of this background information, give you a little bit of historical context and kind of talk through these episodes. And they're not going to be our usual leisurely two to seven hour episode. Um, We'll see if we can get out of here in a little less time than that. But yeah, Yeah. I don't don't know any of I don't know any of this history, so I'm excited to see how it ends. I'm really cheering for a couple of these. It seems like they're doing their. (laughs) Yeah, Mike just couldn't wait for us to post the podcast. He just wanted to hear the stuff now. So, but um, again, I I I think I I may have gotten uh, misread the memo. I thought we were doing White Lotus. (laughs) White Lotus callback. Yes, (laughs) Mike. Not to get too sidetracked, I did finish season one. Um, and we're like halfway into the first episode of season two. So season two is better. One thing I will say is season one is the best depiction of a Hawaiian pigeon accent that I've ever seen 
in film or TV. Oh. Rada. You so if you if you know we're talking about deep 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 dive fans, <laughs> tweet out what's your what's your what's your uh, Twitter Mike? Michael G Van. It's re- it's a creative Michael one. G V A N N. Give him shit about White Lotus. <laughs> he will not stop talking about White Lotus. So tweet at Michael G Van. Um, give him the White Lotus, the loves, the hates. Um, yeah, that's your that's your assignment. Um, yeah, get it, get on that. I do have to say the uh, dude that like works at the hotel in the first season. The uh, he is the manager. Yeah, the manager. Manager. He is such a great character. I love him so much. <laughs> yes. The wheels come off. No spoilers, but he's he's cool, man. Um, yeah. Too bad we're not going to see him in season two. Just there's a spoiler. All right, anyways, uh, before we get going, it's time to do a quick little thing we like to call. <laughs> there we go. Oh, Jesus. thought this was supposed to be a mini. It's taking us ten minutes before we even started. The song will take ten minutes. This is our experimental phase, you know. Yeah, the, the long-form album is dead. It's like a good 1975 version of Days and Confused, you know, 45, 50 minutes. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, what you what you what you got down your gullet there, Matt? This is a Miller 64. This is very impressive stuff, Eric. I'm drinking the uh, champagne of beers. That's a Miller High Life. Established 1903. Yeah, high end shit so far. Uh, Mike, you gonna you gonna impress and us? And I'm I'm coming in with a solid American beer and nice Coors Light. Coors Light. Oh, okay. I, I think it's I think it's what uh, Liddy would have drunk. Yeah, he's on record to be an anti. No, they had light. they had in the film. He asks for a beer when they're on the plane. He said uh, some Ger- oh, German beer, and then German she beer, yeah. says, uh, "I'm sorry, we don't have that. We have Budweiser though." And Hunt says, uh, "Well, it sounds German. Sounds German." <laughs> Yeah, you're gonna learn. You're gonna little learn a lot more about Germany than you thought you would in this in this uh, in this episode. Yeah. So yeah, this is a listen along. Now, for those of you who might say like, "Hey, uh, HBO issued a podcast, an official podcast," you know that's not that bullshit. This there, is, yeah, their yeah. podcast is kind of like more like behind the scenes and how like, the, of how it was made. Yeah, which is actually was kind of interesting. But um, one thing that was revealed is how the the little the writers knew about. Um, the events they're writing about. They, they learned of them and wrote of them, but this is, uh, for nerds like us, this is what. Yeah, we were not consulted, sadly. But, um, <laughs> and uh, just to, from the from jump, I could have I could have helped with the, an error right in the first scene, which is a, a break into the Watergate uh, hotel slash office complex in D.C. We covered that uh, quite a bit when we did... Boy, when we did Nixon and when we did all the president's men. But um, here we have it again. Um, it fails. They brought the wrong tools, and they claim it's the second attempt. In reality, that was actually the first attempt when they had the wrong tools. So fact check, fail, right off the bat, not happy with this. Come on, come on HBO. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so should we – let's – we'll do a quick kind of – show recap but we'll jump in with uh historical evidence and context and stuff along the way yeah yeah that's right um should we start with uh 
do we start with the Bay of Pigs? Do we, in terms of context, that's an early, that's an early. Uh, yeah, right after they show the break in, we cut to Howard Hunt. He's bored in an office, and you know he's basically it's said he's been unhirable since he uh, left the CIA, and so we don't really know much about what that is. But maybe Eric can help us a little bit. Yeah, so you you should know sort of the Bay of Tigs, Bigs is the infamous 1961 failed uh, invasion of of Cuba from the United States uh, covert operation yeah, that they just launched just a couple months into Kennedy's out of, uh, out of term. Guatemala, I think, and they, um, you know, the the Batista had um, had uh, been over had been overthrown by uh, the dictator by uh, Fidel Castro, and he nationalized. Um, uh, Cuba and Cuban, the the kind of extractive industries there that had sort of been really stealing the national wealth from Cuba, and that was not taken kindly um, by uh, by the West. And yeah. Cuba was kind of like the Vegas, maybe for a lot of yeah semi wealthy yeah, really, really, Americans, like, Florida, um, like yeah. pre Vegas. You know, it was like the place to go party there's that famous scene in godfather 2 where they're well, partying yeah. down there i think i think we get vegas because of cuba because they lost uh, havana it's a good point mike mike's old he remembers hanging out in cuba before like right. <laughs> 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 um <laughs> sorry um i'd like to point you, you out know, you know who used to go down to havana was um a young dick nixon yes yes he did naughty boy i'm sure yeah, I'm sure he was up to... Pat, I'm heading down to Cuba. <laughs> yeah, it was very... Spring, Me and baby. Fort Lauderdale. Gotta head down there. Spring break. <laughs> spring break. <laughs> um, yeah. No, uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a huge embarrassment for the, the Bay of Pigs, for the United States. Um, it, it was exposed to, you know, it, the, the hypocrisy, which it had already been, it was sort of well-known part of sort of subversionist foreign policies of the United States uh, in the Cold War, it was literally laid bare in the Bay of Pigs invasion. Um, you know, the U.S. planes bombed uh, before their invasion. The, the the all of these Cuban so Cuban exiles were a huge part of this story um, of of the Bay of Pigs who who went to went to Florida and still make politics radical there <laughs> to this day. Yeah, uh, they they came. Uh, they were you know tip of the spear in terms of uh, of that Bay of Pigs invasion. And our, um, you know, our good friend Hunt, um, uh, E. Howard Hunt, was part of that um, part of that failed mission that sort of spectacularly um, led to his career being very much unhirable, as they say in the. And that seems to be borne out in his. He 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 worked for defense. He worked for yeah um, yeah. So I, I there's a a family legend that I got from my dad, and the context here is that. My dad's side of the family is all Navy back ages. And um, my uh, great uncle Ting, so my dad's uncle, who retired as an admiral and the Annapolis Board of Directors. According to my dad, he was in charge of communications for the Navy in Bay of Pigs. I've no confirmation of that. Wow. It could be my dad, the anti-war protester, just talking trash. But... Um, <laughs> he, he's, he, he told me several times that Uncle Ting, uh, I, forget, I forget his real name. So uh, your uncle failed, is what Ting, you're saying. Because he was a submariner, yes. <laughs> but, fail, but failed up because he retired as an admiral and, and, again, board of directors at Annapolis. And boy, was he appalled when I went to UC Santa Cruz. Oh, <laughs> banana slugs. Oh, boy, was he upset. 
Yeah, the, um, the, the so Hunt is one of these. He's a he's a CIA operative from like from like the beginning of the OSS to like 1970. He's he's really through you know the Iran Guatemala all of those kind of early ugly phases and and some and actually some of the early successes which led to the hubris of the kind of the style we saw of Bay of Pigs. Um, he's what he and G Gordon Liddy, which we'll talk about more. The sort of the main characters mm-hmm. in this and played by uh, um, Woody Harrelson and uh, goddamn I'm blanking. Um, Justin Thoreau. Just Thoreau and uh, from uh, from Rami and Michelle's. Uh, uh, <laughs> Whatever. I, I liked. How did Rami you? and Michelle's high school reunion. I liked. I liked these guys as actors. What, what, what was your? What are your takeaways? Did you? Did you like these guys as the as the leads? Uh, I I, th- I think they're killing it. I think I think he's, they're both doing incredible jobs. I mean, oh, the, I the the hunt the hunt character is totally overplayed, but perfectly so. I mean, it's it's to the point of absurdity. But these were absurd <laughs> characters. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the hunt was like a you know seventy three book mostly novels. But uh, um, he like it's sort of a poor man's Ian Fleming, and really was sort of, uh, you know, trying to kind of kind of live that life. And a poor man's James Bond. <laughs> he was because he sort of fancied himself as a James Bond-ish type figure. Except for James Bond is fictional, oh. and this guy was real. Um, he did get a Guggenheim though. Yeah, I think in the four in the forties, like. Yeah, they'll give those things to anyone. Yeah, no. Um, have, have any of you have you guys read one of his novels? I haven't. Have you? No, no. But that would be just some the first solid homework. Seventy-two. The, uh... Yeah, let's assign them. Yeah. Let's assign those. How about Limit of Darkness or Maelstrom? Well, you got you got about seventy-two listeners. Everybody could read one of the novels and they could respond. <laughs> Everyone do a book report, <laughs> and then we'll publish. Yeah, do a uh, shoebox diorama um, of the book. Tweet that at Michael G. Van. Your review of all seventy-two. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Let me let me on the Bay of Pigs real quick. That was an Eisenhower administration plan. Yes. Nixon was the point man in the administration for Bay of Pigs. So when actual Watergate goes down, one of the things he says to get the FBI off his ass is, you know, have the CIA. They're going to, um, you know, get the FBI off me. They're gonna open up this whole Bay of Pigs thing again, is what he says, and so I think it's kind of referencing that. Yeah, so that that is uh, that. I mean, why I think that's a among other things the predicating that, event is yeah. that it um, it it sets it sets the tone for the kind of uh, dirty tricks and the kind of lengths that um, Nixon and the United States is going to go to, and the, which will lead sort of inevitably to this sort of. Watergate. I, I like to point out as a side, I'm wearing my Guayabera, my Cuban shirt, um, drinking my Miller Lite. I'm ready to go down to Havana, boys. You want to go down and I, I would love <laughs> roll to go. the dice? Yeah. yeah. I'd love to go. Yeah. Um, we cut to Hunt at home. He gets a phone call. Uh, he's distracted. He has a uh, hippie adjacent son um, playing <laughs> some bad guitar. Um, and, and clearly smoking a joint, right? Was he? He's smoking something. Yeah, it, it looked like, it looked a, joint. like a joint. Yeah. Oh, was it? And then, and then Hunt's eyes, I thought, tracked to the joint, but he's more upset about the Time magazine. <laughs> yeah. Right. How did that get in here? Uh, we subscribe to it. Yeah, but but what's, what's wrong with the Time magazine? Ellsberg is on the cover. Ellsberg is on the cover. Yes. That's we'll right. get to Ellsberg. Um, 
The call is from Charles Colson, special counsel to Nixon. He says Nixon wants a, quote, son of a bitch, end quote, to handle this leak of the Pentagon Papers. And should we discuss that now? Because that's not really covered that much in the thing. So Yeah, this is a big deal. Let's um and maybe we'll maybe I'll do Ellsberg here too. Um Daniel Ellsberg, uh, Marine Corps officer. He was an analyst at RAND, uh, focused on nuclear strategy. He got his PhD in ec- economics from Harvard in 1962. He worked um, at McNamara's Pentagon as a special assistant to uh, the Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security Affairs, John McNaughton. And then he went to Vietnam, uh, part of the State Department. Uh, he worked under Edward Lansdale when he was there. Got a first-hand look at the war while he was in Vietnam. He began to become disillusioned with things. He, you know, witnessed v- villages being burned because there were reports that a Viet Cong had been there the night before, for example. Uh, he returns to the U.S. 1967. He is convinced that the military strategy is doomed to fail, increasingly disenchanted with the war over time. Upon returning, resumes work at RAND. Works on what became known as the Pentagon Papers. And only he and the head of RAND uh, were authorized to read it. So just two people at RAND. And they had this, this thing was under such wraps that they, it wouldn't even be like a search, like you couldn't even, they never even would acknowledge that they had possession of this, these classified documents or anything like that. Um, RAND would, like, it was very, 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 very secret. Um He's very distressed by the reports um, in the Pentagon Papers, and he begins taking pages out of the office at night in 1969, photocopying them um, and uh, at an advertising agency that had been run by a what friend we, what of do his. We see, what do we see in those reports, Matt? The reports are the Pentagon Papers. So, right, but so what they say essentially is that it covers up through 1967. It basically says what the government has been saying uh, light at the end of the tunnel. We are on the verge of victory. Uh, you know, the enemy is going to crumble at any second, which is the kind of stuff that McNamara or Johnson or whoever would be saying in the media. That's none of that. None of that is true. They actually know that, boy, we've got our big problem on our hands here, and they've known it for years and years and years. Um, and so that's why it is such a blockbuster report. So he all this does he's done doing it by hand. Um, it takes him a long time to do you know page by page, photocopy by photocopy. Um, certain members of Congress receive copies of this. Neil Sheehan at the New York Times received copies, um, and excerpts begin being reported on June thirteenth, nineteen seventy one, in the Times. And these are you know of course front page. It's a shows continued deceptions in the war. It's a get the anti-war movement is of course thrilled with this. Like it's confirmation of everything that they've suspected. Um, Nixon, not so much. Um, do you want to hear Nixon's response to yeah. when he but, finds out about this? But I, but I got yeah. a question for you. Yeah. Matt. Yeah. If this was all happening under Johnson's watch, why was Nixon upset? Oh, I can tell you want to hear Nixon tell you these are the these are the reports of the the war going wrong under the previous guy. Well, I will let Nixon himself tell you why he's so upset. So this is Richard Nixon. This is from a White House meeting 
on that day, June 13th, 1971. else of interest in the world yes, sir, very significant this uh, goddamn new york times expose of the most highly classified that's alexander Haig. oh that i see that, that, i didn't read the story but uh, you mean that that was leaked out of the pentagon sir uh, the whole study that was done for mcnamara and then carried on after mcnamara left by clifford and the peaceniks over there clifford was secretary of state this under is Johnson. A devastating security breach of, of the greatest magnitude of anything I've well, seen. Well, what, uh, what's being done about it then? I mean, I didn't... Uh, I did we know this was coming out? No, we did not, sir. Yeah, what is your advice on that uh, Times thing, John? Uh, you, would, you would like to do it? Uh, this is I John Mitchell, Attorney General. Otherwise, we will look a little foolish in not <laughs> following through on our legal obligations. And uh, Has this ever been done before? Uh, publication like this, or no, no, no. Have you, have, have, has the government ever done this to a paper before? Oh yes, advising of their. Oh yes, we've done this before. Have we? All right. Yes, sir. Uh, I would think that. How, how do you go about it? You do it sort of low key. Low key. You call them and then uh, send a telegram to confirm it. Mm -hmm. And say that we're just uh, we're examining the situation and we just simply are putting you on notice well we're putting them on notice that they're violating a statute because yeah. we have a communication from yeah. mel laird as to the nature of the document right. secretary of defense right. Mel laird. now right i know whether you've been noticed it but this thing was uh mel was working henry henry's on the other i just he just walked in up and put him on the other line that's Go kissinger ahead. national uh, security advisor had a pretty good go up there before the committee today on it and it's all over town and all over everything and i think we'd look a little silly if we just didn't take this low-key action of advising them about the publication did mel take a fairly uh, hard line on it uh yes he <laughs> gave a legal opinion and it was a violation of the law which of well puts us up yeah, we have to get... Well, look, look, as far as the Times is concerned, hell, they're our enemies. I think we just ought to do it. And anyway, uh, Henry, <laughs> tell them what you just heard from Rostow. Well, Rostow called on behalf of Johnson, and he said that it is Johnson's strong view that this is an attack on the whole integrity of government, that if you, that if whole, ca whole file cabinets can be stolen and then made available to the press, uh, you can't have orderly government anymore. So that's the uh, argument, I guess, for you, Mike. Okay, so it's a question of principle. It's a it's a very principled man. Um, and, and how how on earth is Henry Kissinger still alive? How on earth is he still advising presidents on foreign policy? <laughs> yeah, if you question, like, is there a god? Okay, well, um, this is Nixon uh, on talking about Ellsberg. But uh, he just, he just, I just don't, I just say that we've got to keep our eye on the main ball. The main ball is Ellsberg. We've got to get this son of a This is two weeks later. And, uh, June 29th. And, you know, I was talking to somebody over here yesterday, I mean, one of our PR types, and they're saying, well, maybe we ought to drop the case that the Supreme Court doesn't uh, sustain and so forth. And I said, hell no. I mean, you can't do that. Uh, you can't be in a position of having, uh, as I said this morning, we can't be in a position of, uh, of, of ever uh, allowing, it just because some guy's going to be a martyr, uh, of allowing the fellow to get away with this kind of wholesale thievery, or otherwise it's going to happen all over the government. 
So there's Nixon on Ellsberg and a little bit more of his sort of thoughts behind this. Um, Supreme Court. I'm, I'm going to applaud Nixon for getting through that without any slurs. Well, it's just a clip, Mike. It's <laughs> right. just a clip. So, okay. Um, and he didn't that, call Ellsberg. yeah, yeah. I'm surprised he didn't rip on him. I, uh, yeah, and say some shocking. very, very inappropriate things. Although Ellsberg's family converted to uh, Christian Science. Uh, yeah. Mm. My family. It's like my family. When he, when he was a child. When he was a child. Huh? Yeah. Well, you know, it. What's what's inter- It's interesting. I was thinking of the Snowden leaks, and you know, in in all the con- the like government like leaked conversations, like it's never a. It's of course never about we were wrong or yeah that was actually you know we we're keep you know the the crime. It's it's like well, it's bad that they talked about. <laughs> you know, it's never an acknowledgement of. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it was, it was wrong to keep from the public that we were lying about the war. Well, in the end, the Supreme Court, uh, upholds that. I think it was eight, nothing, uh, from memory, um, that the times and the post can keep publishing and Mike Gravel, Senator Mike Gravel reads all of them into the congressional record anyway. So they're public at that point. Um, our current Supreme Court. Not sure that they would have uh, gone that same way, but um, all right, let's uh, where where are we here? Uh, oh, we got a walk and talk in Washington. Um, some mention of uh, heel dragging and pussyfooting, which is something Nixon does not want to have happen. Uh, well, nobody like nobody likes pussyfooting. nobody is a fan, especially not pussyfooting. Um, Bud Krogh heads up the special investigations unit, so we are introduced to this character. We're also introduced to Liddy with the flame story. Um, should we have? And and, and Bud, Bud Crow's played by um, one of the cast from Mad Men. Yeah. I forget which guy. He's sort of yeah. the, kind of the, the mealy mouth I, I've seen I've seen Michael Vam do this flame trick with uh, Cobra Venom in uh, in Indonesia, actually. <laughs> he wasn't using his hand, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was really amazing. <laughs> oh, Third degree burns. Um, this is, if you're not familiar with the flame trick, this is G. Gordon Liddy uh, on David Letterman's show in 1982. <laughs> talking about that and another topic. Uh, let's listen to a brief excerpt of uh, G. Gordon Liddy on David Letterman. This is, is this late night? Is this the show was before? The late show. With David it was before the late show. So, anyways. Late night, yeah. Yeah. Welcome back to the show. Uh, G. Gordon Liddy is with us, and uh, we're talking uh, about, among other things, you're touring with uh, Timothy Leary. And I brought up the two uh, stories about one, a rat, and uh, the other about burning yourself. Do you, you want to talk about these? I think everybody knows about them by now, but if you'd want me to, I'd be happy well, to. What such, do you want to know about? They're such great stories, first of all. Let's, <laughs> let's, start, <laughs> let's start with the rat. You is it a Hanoi rat? Yeah, start with the rat. Well, I was... What's that, Mike? Is it a Hanoi rat story? Oh, jeez. <laughs> another, another book plug. If you need one. Oh, Always be yeah, closing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> and it, and it's great. When I was a child, <laughs> just about everything, with the possible exception of my mother, and I wasn't too sure about her, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things was rats. And I had learned through my reading that American Indians used to uh, devour parts of the bodies of brave warriors in an attempt to overcome their fear of other tribes and things like that. So when my sister's cat slew a rat... Uh, I cooked it, and I ate the left rear haunch of it, and there went the fear of rats. That was when I was 11 years old. 
With respect to burning, that was Makes sense. because I was afraid a of pain and, uh, fire. Because when I was a child, I picked up a hot coal. And so I did some of that to uh, overcome the fear of uh, fire and pain. Hmm. Hmm. Nothing unusual. <laughs> nothing unusual about that. I've been I've been told that that is a process known to psychologists as desensitization. Yeah, um, but they, these are dramatic examples of, of that <laughs> philosophy. Well, this is a dramatic show. All right, so uh, <laughs> um, G. Gordon Liddy. <laughs> Born in Brooklyn, 1930, Fordham graduate, 1952, served in Korea as an artillery officer, got a law degree after that, also at Fordham, then FBI, 1957. Some success at the FBI, he was arrested twice while uh, an FBI agent. One of them was for having an FBI background check done on his to-be wife to uh, <laughs> make sure that she was on the up and up, I guess. Um I don't know exactly. You, you you can't do that? Evidently, you're not a lot supposed to do that. Yeah. Um, so he worked there till 1962. Then um, attorney in various capacities in New York. Then district, um, I think assistant district attorney. 19, here you go, guys. 1969, okay. he directed a drug raid at Baird College, upstate New York. Two of the students that were arrested were none other then Donald Fagan and Walter Becker, who would go on to form Steely Dan. Wow. They wrote the song <laughs> My Old School, which is on their Countdown to Ecstasy album, 1973. And in the song, Liddy is referred to as Daddy G. <laughs> so, mind's blown, I hope. Steely Dan. Yeah. He yeah. arrested... Walter Fagan, man. What the hell? I did not have that on my conspiracy theory. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a deep, deep cut. Uh, appointed to the tre Treasury Department in the Nixon administration, uh, various other positions. He worked for um, Domestic Affairs Advisor Ehrlichman. Uh, according to Hunt and Hunt's memoir, Undercover, quote, Liddy and I liked each other at once. Liddy provided comic relief for us that was much in contrast to the grim mains encountered elsewhere in the White House. Instead of using the Pat John Doe to refer to an unknown person, Liddy energized the identification with Tondaleo Schwarzkopf. I don't really know what the hell he's talking about, but that's Hunt on Liddy. He was just a, just a crack up. You know? Just a crack up. Um, I have, I have uh, John Dean who is counsel to uh, Nixon on Liddy, real quick. Gordon Liddy is part of the plumber's unit. He's a screwball. He's a nutcase. He's a bumbler. He's a romantic. He is somebody who thought he was James Bond. He'd come up with a plan to break in Daniel Ellsberg's psychiatrist office. Liddy and these Cuban-Americans He's been able to arrange to help him through another White House aide, Howard Hunt. But they broke in. They find nothing in the files. They trash the place. So, not a fan, I guess, John Dean? Yeah, but you know who Liddy was a fan of? <laughs> yeah. L lo lots of German things. Um <laughs> yeah, uh th this is a this is a funny seat in the we're not there yet, but the um in the, We've done covered quite a bit of the background so we can kind of yeah, continue yeah. with the narrative real quick on the um the, 
is it the the dinner of home the or the I guess they're they haven't they haven't met together. Hunt Hunt and Liddy go with their wives to dinner. Yeah, and but he but he even starts making German references from the beginning. From the beginning, he's it's always a German reference. Like, um, he, he he drops night and fog. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, I actually, I think his first line is uh, when they're standing outside of the the Watergate building in the opening scene. <laughs> he says, "Classic bits, Blitzkrieg worked in France." <laughs> <laughs> um, Krog is he's got, he's got a he's got a Nazi fan. He does. Yeah. He does. Um, Playing Hitler speeches. He does. At it is a big theme. It is not inaccurate. It is. It is true. He he admits to playing the Hitler speeches, um, and it is something that happens in the uh, in the show for he, sure. He drops a Project Odessa. A reference, which is uh, um, which is the unsubstantiated um, in terms of American backing, but the the pro- to, to smuggle Nazis out of uh, SS out of uh, Germany and hide them in South America. Um, definitely, that happened. Um, the, yeah. the American involvement is 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 vague, and and Hunt, and Hunt is funny. Hunt is like, yeah, because because we needed them in Alabama to work on NASA. <laughs> Exactly true. Hunt's like, you know, a lot of us fought against those Nazis uh, in, in World War II. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. He he wants uh, the Special Investigations Unit to be called Odessa. So that's that's where that reference comes in. Um, Krog is heading up the SIU, the Special Investigations Unit. Um, we meet Mark Felt briefly, who is second in command at the FBI. Um, they yeah. Felt says... Um, the Ellsberg psychiatrist is it Field Fieldman, Do I have, Fielding Fielding, um, has files but is not turned them over because of you know doctor client confidentiality. Um, this SIU group demands a bunch of wiretaps, lie detector tests, a whole bunch of other stuff, and Mark Felt says no. Hoover is not down with that, and that's accurate. You might be surprised that Hoover wiretapping you know, aficionado of sorts, uh, thought that was a step a bit far. Um, and this relates to the Houston plan, which is a whole nother thing. Eric, I have it there. Do you want to look at the Houston plan? All right. So the Houston plan, secret government blueprint for expensive surveillance, domestic protest movements. The U S doesn't protest, doesn't spy on its own citizens, man. What is this? What is this nonsense? You've got a source here. Um, they were they were released uh, fifty years after they were drafted. Yeah, just twenty twenty, and it's, it's the the full plans are still not out, but they released more of the Houston plans just a couple of years ago. Yeah, the the everyone um, from the Beatles to the Black Panthers are are surveilled by the uh, uh, you know probably probably you know a teenage Michael Van back then. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, are, are all under under scrutiny. Um, yeah, and, and again, uh, the which is which is why in the in the again the, the Snowden era, like that it's I'm surprised that people are surprised that that this happens. Like this is this is absolutely how how we govern ourselves. Yeah. So technically, technically I think we're in the Teixeira uh, era. We've gone from righteous leakers to uh, people trying to impress teenagers on um, chat rooms. It's a new yeah. era. Yeah, I wish he had a better motive. 
<laughs> please, please don't tell Daniel Ellsberg about this guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know his health isn't great. He, did, he, he, was, did on, what? he was on Democracy <laughs> Now on on Monday. They did, he did a full. Oh, he was okay. Good. Interview. Okay. Good. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a great interview. Good, good. But please, please, please don't tell him about uh, oh, God. Yeah. what he, what his legacy has become. Yeah, this the Houston plan. The full thing doesn't like actually go through. Um, this is part of what is rejected by the FBI. Um, Hoover, even John Mitchell, um, Attorney General, expressed kind of concern about it. But the Houston plan. Yeah, they, do you have do you have that sound clip? Which one? Where they where they we famously says Houston, we have a problem. Uh, I do not have that sound clip. Sorry. Should should we tell our <laughs> listeners? Um, you you might know Mark Felt. Um, but is, it, is it too much of a spoiler? Uh, oh, there's a very it. famous uh, documentary about him. Came out in 1972. <laughs> Linda Lovelace plays him. Um, um, right. Deep the, throat. Yeah the 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 one the infamous confidential informant um, for uh, you know made immortal in all the president's men to Woodward and Bernstein. Yeah. 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 Sorry, alert, Mike. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> some, some of us actually don't know anything about American history. Come oh. on, man. Well, you probably don't know this then, that the Houston Wait, plan what? is actually part of the impeachment of Nixon. The second point of the uh, Bill of Particulars of Article 2 of the impeachment resolution uh, said of Nixon, quote, he misused the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the Secret Service, and other executive personnel in violation or disregard of the constitutional rights of citizens, all referencing the Houston plan. So... It's a bit too far. They can't get everything they want. Liddy and Hunt talk. They bring the idea of photographing Ellsberg's file to Krogh. Hey, remember when you could um, do something impeachable and get impeached, and then you would step down out of out of shame? Remember those days? <laughs> like Bill Clinton? Yeah. Well, I, I, I was alive, and I actually do remember that. <laughs> I do remember. Oh, Nixon you remember Nixon. Andrew Johnson? <laughs> <laughs> Jackson. <laughs> no, Jackson wasn't impeached. Johnson was. He, he remembers Andrew Johnson. Oh, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, I remember Andrew Jackson. <laughs> Either way, it's a really long time ago. Um, they get some really dope disguises from the CIA. Um, <laughs> this is funny. The It's uh, <laughs> oh, a good scene. The Liddy disguise is awesome because it's like, they give him some shoe that like <laughs> makes him have a like a limp when he walks. It's <laughs> like a rock in his shoe, basically. So yeah, he he's got like a Ringo Starr kind of wig on, and uh, oh, it's great. Like, yeah, so they yeah, so stupid. They go to Beverly Hills. They take some photos. They talk the cleaning woman into letting them into the office. The file's locked, so no luck. Um, the plane that they're on on the way back, it looked like the friggin' uh, Zeppelin starship. Oh. You know, that thing was uh, awesome. Got a lounge up there. Yeah. And- so, okay, I'm going to do a little more uh, uh, boomer adjacent uh, uh, oral history for you. Have you guys ever seen a piano on an airplane? No. You used to be a thing. The uh, L- L.A. to Honolulu flights oh, on man. Western Airlines. They had that. Uh, they had that upper lounge. No, they had, they had it down on the. Um, they had it on the, like in between business and coach, and um, someone would be playing the piano when you boarded the flight. Was awesome! Wow, you are old. Yeah, jeez. Um, it, it was it was a more sophisticated time. Men wore hats. <laughs> I'm wearing a hat. 
people 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 dressed to travel <laughs> nice suits not sweat crocs and hoodies man what a complainer <laughs> god um Krog runs the plan by Ehrlichman. They like what they see. We This is now we're at the dinner, um, which we covered a little bit. Do you notice the children are very, very well ordered? I was thinking like, oh, they're making very fine little Nazi children right now. Yeah, they're even um, dressed kind of like. Uh, the Sound of Music family. Yeah. yeah. We get a bit of background von, on. Von Traps, the Von Traps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We get some background on Hunt and Liddy's wives, and that's, I think, maybe the next episode. Maybe we'll dive in a little bit about them because. Uh, Hunt's wife especially is has some CIA history herself um, and she'll be in this story for a little while longer hint hint and then she won't be oh so I, I know something's coming on that one yeah yeah um, Liddy um, this is when Liddy blasts some of the uh, sick jams um, the Hitler speeches and then the house is egged and Liddy um, chases the kids down with a gun which is also disturbing but it's humorously done uh in the yeah he like goes i'll be right back just dis- disturb <laughs> disturbing that the kids were throwing eggs at the house yeah I fully he, agree he comes with back kind of like he's been in a clearly in an altercation with them and i set those kids straight yeah yeah uh okay the mission is okay they're ready to go they uh the only stipulation is they can't go in themselves because they're white house employees so they need to find somebody else to do it so this brings in um eric your buddies the uh Cubans. Hey oh. Yeah, so the you know the again the we talked about the Bay of Pigs, but this is this is kind of a it's a great um yeah, if you've ever uh if you've ever wondered um the vagaries of US from you know, you know maybe the Bay of Pigs, uh uh s- look into some of the CIA activities to assassinate Castro. Um they're having a, themselves a good time. Not just cigars and meningitis and wetsuits, but uh, exploding seashells and the whole gamut. It's really, uh, yeah. um, and that's just Fidel. So, And these are uh, veterans of the Bay of Pigs that are recruited by Hunt, who knows them through the CIA connection. Yeah, and so so there's these, um, you know, the, the this is sort of cold, this is Cold War. You know, it doesn't, I guess maybe maybe in the 80s we would see another peak, but this is really... You know, Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, you know, we're we're talking um, serious brinksmanship in in the Cold War. Yeah, Cuban Missile Crisis, and then just after Afghanistan um, into the early eighties. So seventy nine to probably eighty two three are probably the tensest periods. Uh, Salt two, the nuclear um, disarmament agreement, is scrapped in the aftermath of. Uh, the invasion of Afghanistan, nineteen seventy nine. So, so yeah, that's another tough era. But that early sixties is a a rough one. Um, but here, here we are in the seventies. Nixon's all focused on detente. Actually, this is not really about foreign policy, but uh, yeah. he is focused on detente and chilling out with uh, Brezhnev. Um, we are spying on Fielding. Liddy is uh, rationalizing his love for Hitler in the car while they're on their stakeout. He has that really cool um, Mike. Did you see his uh, like spyglass or whatever that was? Um, yeah, it was the uh, scope from a, a German uh, sniper rifle or two. <laughs> sniper rifle, German, of course. I, like, I, lo- yeah. I love how Liddy's like. Do you see that? And, and Hunt's like, he's right there. I can see. You need a sniper rifle. <laughs> it's to- totally useless. <laughs> Um, and they have a they have a good shtick going with the walkie talkies not working because yes. they're uh, under budget. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Um, yeah, because I think 
what they get like two thousand bucks or something because um, that'll play in actually to something happens later but yeah so they have a very very small budget uh they follow the doc to well, his, what, how much how much are they paying pay matt how much are they paying the cubans I, the cubans are doing it out of love of country they're doing it pro bono they're patriots out of yeah they kept saying patriotism but technically they're cubans they're right? cuban patriots this will help. This will help Nixon, so it'll help them because Nixon is not a bleeding heart like uh, Kennedy, or something. But Kennedy was the one that that okayed the. Uh, but he failed it. He they, failed. Yeah. It, forgive my ignorance, but they they love Kennedy, don't they? He failed. He didn't do what Curtis LeMay suggested and drop nukes on Cuba and uh, <laughs> go in full God. board, right? Pushed out. Yeah, and that, that and that's a that's a narrative you read about the Bay of Pigs. Well, we had said we needed like ground support, air support, and that was pulled back. And so, like that's it would have, it, you know, it's it, this this would be a refrain through throughout Vietnam. Like if we had only been able to take off the gloves, mm. or if we had only responded to Castro's overtures for like chilling out, like right after he overthrew Batista in nineteen fifty nine. Like maybe that would have gone better, but. Um, they follow the doc to his house. Hunt stays at the house to kind of keep watch on. Liddy gets in the car and meets the Cubans. They break in and they get away. They take photos. They break a bunch of stuff. They throw pills all over the place to make it look like, um, drug addicts were looking for drugs. And then they left their drugs there that they were looking for or something. So that, that must have been like a common like cover up thing in the 1970s because that um was who was the uh the um army officer that killed his family and then uh, wrote acid as groovy killed the pigs on the wall you know that case like he tried to oh, and said it was a bunch name. of hippies yeah. on LSD that killed his family um so I guess I guess that was a st- standard practice in the 70s as I, I I remember well just you could blame you could blame everything on the well that was Manson's plan with after the Sharon Tate murders as they wrote like uh, a bunch of racial stuff right um because he was trying to start a race war but it, but it's yeah. funny yeah. Li- so it's deception but, but Liddy has a hilarious uh sort of like he's like in- interrogating the Cubans like so tell me this, like, what would a, you know, a, 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 so a drug, uh, somebody searching for drugs, so like, well, well that's like, well, we messed up the office. So to make it look like it's intentional, we stole drugs from the, from the pharmacy next door. And then we spread those pills all over the place. So they'll think of like, why would a drug addict leave? <laughs> Fiend is going to leave pills. Oh, it was pretty great. Like, well, we didn't thought that. Yeah. Like, it's pretty funny. It's very Captain Underpants plan. Like, yeah. Um, it was, it was McDonald. McDonald killed his uh, his family, oh. and and wrote acid as groovy killed the pigs. He had a farm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Old McDonald. Back at home, Hunt thinks he's about to be fired. Uh, his daughter's back from college. There are some kind of fam- family stuff that we haven't really touched on, but we can maybe get back to it in another episode. Hunt and Liddy are sniping at each other. They get fired from SIU or the whatever you want to call them. Uh, but then they get transferred to the campaign. Committee instead. to re-elect, re-elect the president. And they get a budget of a million dollars. So none of this small dollar stuff anymore. That's, that's pre-oil shock too, right? Yeah. This is this is pre-oil shock. So this a million bucks in, in, in 71. It's got to be like 10 million yeah. or something. Yeah. It's like a gajillion dollars. Nobody knows. 
If only there was someone. Yeah, no, it was. It's that's funny. They sort of in the in the I like in the series. They're like they kind of look at each other like, what if we did a million? Yeah, then they say, hey, whatever, whatever you boys need. They look at each other like, yes, <laughs> yeah. I should have gone higher. So what's uh what? Let's give a we don't and give then, a final and, and then the la- the last there's the oh, last yeah. scene back at CIA uh, uh, headquarters where they've got their camera right. Oh yeah, they're yeah, they uh, processing the, the, the photos, photos with the surveillance photos, and the CIA finds these photos of these guys in costume casing uh, the uh, the uh, Ellsberg psychiatrist's office. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So uh, let's give it. Let's give it a little preliminary tongue ring. You know, this is for this episode. We have to think about the series. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm liking this. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a seven and a half dong. Yeah. So far, I'll give um, it. I'll give it an eight point two four. So far, I like it. Okay. I, I give it a solid eight dong. Um, you know, it's 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 no red dust, but it's it's <laughs> yeah. uh, it's enjoyable. I, I think that the. The I lo- I love the over the top portrayal of the two uh, these two characters. Although I, there's these moments where I feel guilty laughing at this because it's all so awful. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's the only way to keep from crying is sort of <laughs> laughter is the best medicine, Michael. <laughs> which, is, okay. which is why that's I, an old timey saying. So maybe you're familiar with it. <laughs> Yeah, the best medicine, they tell you. Hey, speaking of Red Dust, I, I ran into a person who had listened to our podcast of Red Dust and then a separate person who had seen Red Dust. <laughs> like, what are the freaking odds of that? Like, yeah. Wow. It's a throwback. So thing. Eric's getting stopped on the street. Yeah, Red Dust in everywhere. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm a, such a fan. Well, it wasn't like Well, uh, book, book of the Week author, Mitch so, um enjoyed the podcast and told me that Years ago, David Del Testa, a Bucknell uh, scholar of Vietnam and the um, Neon Soviet, uh, had told him to watch Red Dust, and Mitch still hasn't seen it. Mm. But Ooh. now that he's listened to the podcast, he feels like he doesn't have to because he got the Red Dust experience. He knows. So, he yeah, knows. you've been dusted. Yeah. Um, dusted. All right, well, uh, should let's we shut down this let's mini? Close it down the mini here. So, so every week, wasn't that mini, but watch, watch the, uh, yeah, you watch, watch the show. and then. Come to us a few days later for historical recap, and we're gonna we're gonna be fact checking this thing and giving you some historical context along the way. All right, I, I'm excited to see how it works out. I'm, I'm hoping they they get to reelect the president. I think this committee's really got something good. I'm, going thinking, on. It, I'm thinking it all goes well. <laughs> Mike doesn't know what's gonna happen. He's no, not an tell. American historian, so don't tweet at yeah, him. Yeah. I didn't find, find out. I, I mean, I was there, but I was I was I was four. <laughs> he was uh, tuned in, turned on, and dropped out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Acid <right>. is groovy. <laughs> All right, everybody. Till next time. Bye. See you. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Did you first play? I'll bet you could suck a golf ball through a garden hose. Good morning, Vietnam. You let me worry about that green beret. Napalm in the morning. Your first, last, and only podcast for the Vietnam War through film.